0: In the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. So we continue in the season of Advent, and Advent simply means coming or arrival. So our Advent midweek theme this year is God's kingdom comes, as we consider how our Lord's kingdom comes to us. That is, it's not just that there is a kingdom out there somewhere far away in some distant land like up there in heaven. So God's kingdom is way out there, but we're stuck here alone without help until he takes us to heaven. But it's better than that. The kingdom doesn't stay out and away, but the kingdom comes to us. And wherever the king goes, the kingdom goes. And that means the king gives protection safety and provision for all those in the kingdom so our lord jesus comes to us bringing his kingdom and all that goes along with his kingdom so tonight we'll consider how god's kingdom's coming means rescue for us rescue now this is what it means when a king of one kingdom invades a different kingdom So you have to kind of use your imagination like in some medieval times, like one kingdom attacking an opposing kingdom. And you can imagine that you have been captured by the neighboring kingdom. You're chained down in the dungeon awaiting execution. But then you hear the invading armies outside. You hear the yelling, the galloping horses, and the cannon fire, the walls shaking, the bricks shattering, and all the rest. That invading army is causing much fear and distress for everyone inside the castle, except for you, because this attack means that you are being rescued. The king has come to break you out and set you free. So our reading from Exodus recounts the Lord's instituting the Passover celebration for his people. As they held their Passover each year, the Lord's people would recall how their God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. They heard it time and again because they were likely to forget, and they wanted to pass that on to the next generation year after year. His coming brought death to the enemy, but it meant life for them, both at the same time. We can recall at the Passover how the blood of the Lamb was painted on the door frames to mark the Lord's people so that the angel of death would pass over their homes. The blood of the Lamb was shed so that the Lord's people would have life and be rescued from death. And our gospel lesson tonight showed us John the Baptist out in the wilderness preparing the way for the great coming one the great king bringing his kingdom to rescue his people. It was in that context, in fact, the the very verse after tonight's reading, as John the Baptist famously pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God. Why call Jesus the Lamb of God? He had no fluffy white wool, obviously, but he was the Lamb of God because, like the lamb at the Passover, Jesus' blood would be shed so that death would pass over his people. The lambness of Jesus begins and ends with his shedding his blood for us, his death. Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrifices. So all that blood shed in the Old Testament for the forgiveness of sins, it was all driving toward the death of Jesus on the cross. The great eternal rescue by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the Lamb of God. If He takes away sin, then He's also taking away everything that goes along with sin. As we confess it in the Catechism, where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation with the forgiveness of sins. There is no more curse of death because sin was the problem that brought the curse of death. So with forgiveness, there is life and there's no more slavery to sins grasp because forgiveness sets us free. So in the Lord's prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray as we recounted tonight, deliver us from evil, deliver us from evil. But what are the evils from which we are praying to be delivered? In the Catechism reading, we confess it like this We pray that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions, and reputation. So let's break that down and look at each of those for just a moment. The evils of body that we pray to be rescued from. It's not just bodily sickness and injury and death, but it's, it's that when those things come, the devil would have us despair and doubt the Lord's love. There is no doubt that bodily ailments and death will come in this life. But we pray for the Lord to rescue us From letting those things drive us away from him and he will rescue us whether by restoring health in this life or by finally taking us out of this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven either way he will accomplish his rescuing now what about the evils of the soul that we pray to be rescued from To have our faith turn from God and be placed in ourselves, or be placed in nothing at all. To hold on to our sins and refuse his forgiveness for them. To walk away from the outstretched, merciful hands of Jesus. This is the evil that the devil wants for your soul. In our sin, we daily return to the idols that we've built in our lives. And we turn away from the true God. So, in His mercy, He turns us back to Himself in repentance by having His law preached to us, and He forgives us. He does all the turning, all the forgiving, because He wants to do all the rescuing. Now, we also pray to be rescued from the evils of possessions and reputation. It makes a lot more sense to pray against the evils of body and soul. But here it's a little bit more interesting that Luther would add in the catechism for us to pray against the evils of possessions and reputation. What are evils of possessions? It's not that possessions are bad in themselves, because after all, he's the one who gave us all we have, including our possessions. So the possessions aren't the problem, but the evil corruption of the possessions is our being controlled by what we have or by what we don't have. According to faith, that is in our Christian lives, we know that possessions will often tempt us and can easily become our gods. And yet at the same time, according to our sinful flesh, We find ourselves trusting and loving our possessions and money more than God every day. We find ourselves fearing lack, as though joy is found in having more. According to faith, we know our sinful flesh would indulge our possessions so much that it would finally drive us away from God. And so we pray to be rescued from such evil of possessions. And last we pray for rescue from evils of reputation. This of course is a prayer to be rescued from those who would destroy our good names and bring shame to us. A damaged reputation can end careers and livelihoods and can threaten marriages and friendships. So we pray to be rescued from those who would do damage to our reputations falsely. But even more, we pray that we would be rescued from our self-inflicted sins. The self-inflicted damage that we bring upon ourselves to harm our own reputations. Those sins that the devil promised would bring joy and satisfaction yet they end up only bringing more slavery to sin and shame. Our sinful pride would lead us to lie, steal, harm others, and try to justify all kinds of evils so that we can make ourselves look good to others. Our pride is another great evil of reputation that we pray to be rescued from. Our Lord, the King who comes to us rescues from sin, from death, and from all the evils brought to us by the devil. He has invaded this world's evil and has come to rescue you and your children from the evils of body and soul, possessions and reputation. As those being rescued, our Christian life is one of daily repentance. As he comes to us, and rescues us from the evil, turning us to himself, freeing us from slavery to sin, and bestowing his mercy upon us every day until our last hour comes when, as we prayed in the catechism, he would grant us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We stand for the Magnificat.